Well, see, I don't know what to say. I feel like I'm kind of here on accident. <laughs> We're all here on accident. <laughs> My name is Blue Palmer. I took one Scandinavian mythology class. My name is Bill Chung. I, I'm a junior studying here at UW. My connection to the Scandinavian department is through its Baltic language courses, and I've taken one year of Lithuanian, and I'm starting Latvian. I'm Fani Metsotokula, and I have been studying in the Scandinavian Studies Department and in the Finnish Department, deciding whether it'll be a major or a minor. Uh, my name is Amanda Dockstader, and I am the Barbara Osher Endowed Chair of Swedish Studies at the University of Washington, and I teach um, a lot of courses on literature and cinema and contemporary Swedish culture. Welcome to Crossing North, a podcast where we learn from Nordic and Baltic artists, scholars, and community members to better understand our world, our communities, and ourselves. Coming to you from the Scandinavian Studies Department and Baltic Studies Program at the University of Washington in Seattle, I'm your host, Colin Joya Connors. In the fall of 2019, Professor Amanda Dockstader led an independent study with three undergraduate students, Blue Palmer, Bill Chengdai, and Fani Metsitokila. The students participated in a Scandinavian folk dance class, offered by the Scandia Folk Dance Society of Seattle, taught by instructors Bob Hamilton and Lisa Brooks. At the end of the course, Blue, Fani, and Bill conducted an interview with Bob and Lisa, and had planned to enroll in a second independent study to produce their own folklore project about the Scandia Folk Dance Society and their experience as students. The coronavirus pandemic, however, put an end to their spring fieldwork plans, but before they dispersed for winter break, Blue, Funny, Bill, and Amanda and I sat down in the studio to discuss and record their thoughts about the eight-week course. Scandinavian folk dance has a long history in Seattle. The Scandia Folk Dance Society was formed in Seattle in 1949 by Gordon Ekval Tracy, who was a great lover of Scandinavian music and dance. He traveled to the Nordic countries several times throughout his life, and he made over 500 field recordings of various folk dances. His collection is now preserved by the National Nordic Museum, and it is a valuable resource to folklorists and community members here in Seattle and abroad in Scandinavia. Scandia preserves, vitalizes, and develops these traditional songs and dances with a diverse membership who return week after week for the love of the dance. Over the course of our conversation last December, two themes emerged. First, that taking a Scandia dance class is as much a social activity as a physical one. And second, that fewer younger members are participating in dance events now than in years past no doubt in part to increasing economic pressures on university students. Many undergraduate students today cannot afford to live on campus or even in the city in which they study. Some students commute two or more hours to attend classes, only to work one or sometimes multiple part-time jobs. The logistic and economic difficulties, combined with students' anxieties about their academic careers in relation to their economic futures, make students less likely to take part in extracurricular activities, which is a shame, if I may say, 
and makes me want things to change, especially after listening to Blue, Fanny, and Bill describe the myriad ways that this dance class was a valuable addition to their UW experience. Assistant Professor Amanda Doxtater asks the first question. How do you not get dizzy? You just gotta keep going. You just get Perpetual dizzy. motion. Perpetual motion, and then when you finish, you suddenly feel all the dizziness, and you that fall ones. over. <laughs> um, I think they, like, jokingly, Bob and Lisa jokingly said that if you're dizzy from spinning one way, you have to spin the other way, and I always did, and I never wanted to fall over after, so I think it worked, but I don't know any physics behind that. But, yeah, no, that's, like, the toughest part, and there's always, there's somebody, I don't know how old she is, I think she's, like, in her, she's a doctorate student here, and um, she was in the dance class, like, for most of the time with us. And she would, like, always take a seat. I felt so bad for her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it was tough. Like, you could see her, like, if because she was also, I'm guessing, a beginner. And so, like, some people got used to the spinning and dizziness, so, like, faster than others. So. That was my favorite part. Ooh. I loved the spinning. Loved yeah. yeah. And the turning. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Doing, like, the bus step, like, really fast. That's really fun. Yeah. I would, after class, one of my legs would always be significantly sore than the other. Just because of the buzz step, you, like, lean on one leg so hard. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like being a lead? Because we're both just following the the guys. (laughs) Like, having to learn all of this as a lead is probably much more difficult than as a follow because we're literally just being pushed around. It's, well, (laughs) it's good. I like it. It's, It's It's a new challenge, I guess, in the sense that I don't feel like, I feel like folk dancing has a lot more sort of like leads have to signal and make a lot more decisions. And the coolest thing about that is that you really, really work on your communication skills and you really know if you and your partner are in tune or not. So like the most difficult part about being a lead, I guess, is you're trying to signal like maybe with your hand that, okay, we're going to turn counterclockwise or whatnot, and then they just don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, but... It's, I feel like the major, I guess the major thing about being a lead is that you have to be really, really receptive to whether or not somebody kind of gets what you're, what you, like, what you're trying to get them to do, or if, if they're okay with doing it in that way. Yeah. Cool. I want to know which one of us is worse. Who's um, a, yeah, who's a worse follow? Because I know, like... Well, I know well, well, well if you're, yeah. you're going to follow, you're supposed to follow. So Fanny li- likes, to, um, <laughs> likes to, like, grab you and, like, <clears throat> you're going to lead me, but you're going to lead me this way. I'm a um, strong follow. Strong follow, yeah. So sometimes I lead. <laughs> so blue's better. <laughs> I don't know. You, you have, like, I feel like you have, like, no spine <laughs> in the lower back. I don't know. <laughs> Especially turning, I feel like you're just sort of like you're you're there, but like I feel like any moment, like I'm afraid that like you, your head's gonna tip back and just like you're gonna be on the floor. I'm gonna be like holding you in like the middle of the back. Interesting. I feel like you don't put any pressure on my back, so I never know what's happening. <laughs> and that's why I grab onto Bill so hard because he's not holding onto me. <laughs> yeah. There's an interesting tension with your arm, right? Mm-hmm. It, every dance is different with, like, mm-hmm. the arm tension. Like, there was this one that, like, was so frustrating to me, like, and during the last class because it's, like, you have to, like, push down and then 
like you, the the hold that you're supposed to be doing is so like different from every any other dance, but the footing is the same and the turning is the same. It's just the arms are stiff, and you're supposed to like awkwardly hold. And I think like one of like halfway through the um, classes, they were talking about like how to be a better follow, and like they were telling all these like terms of what they call follows. Like was it like calling furniture or something like that? If you're not like. <laughs> Pulling your own weight. <coughs> I miss that. Oh, really? Well, I did you remember those? No, I remember it. Yeah. What else did yeah. they say? I just liked the um, moving furniture. Like your, <laughs> if your follow is not like following you, it's just like. It's just dragging them around. I don't know. Yeah, dragging. Yeah, I don't know. Them. Furniture was the one that stuck in my mind. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. But I got called that a lot. <laughs> like they're like, "Can you stop being a drag?" And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> If you had to describe these dances or the kinds of dances or the variety of dances to someone who's never seen this, how would you describe it? I mean, to us, to like for people that are watching us, it probably looks so easy and so simple um, and like we're doing nothing. But like when we're like trying to learn it and like even the simplest steps, it's like, oh, no, this is actually difficult. But for like p- outsiders watching, I feel like it's like stuff that your grandma can do (laughs) and enjoy or like there's a point when you're learning the dance where like it doesn't make any sense and then you start doing it like usually it's when we start doing it to music that like suddenly it's really easy and it makes sense and you're like it's also from watching other people too yeah it feels like a lot of momentum uh like when you i don't know i feel like once you get into it if you if you start on beat then it's just fine you just do the same thing repeat Mm -hmm. it if you start off beat well (laughs) good luck yeah, because so much of it is, like, pivoting and turning, and you, like, flow from one step to the next. So if mm-hmm. you're learning the steps individually, it is really weird and, like, mechanical. Because yeah. you want to keep going, but then you just, like, keep stopping. Yeah. I did think that that was, like, the error in, like, the teaching style. For me, especially, I feel like for other people it works this way, but, like, slowing it down, like, did not work for me. Like, it was, like, you just got to, like, show it to me and then throw me on the floor and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I have to say, just showing up to the last class, which was last week, and seeing the three of you just, like, spinning and going around the ring and, like, doing... I was so proud and impressed. (laughs) It was amazing. From the outside, it looked like you learned a whole bunch in 10... What is it, nine weeks or 10 weeks? like eight classes. Eight classes. classes, Yeah. Do you feel like you learned a lot? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think... I feel like I could teach somebody some of, like, the basic steps... To dances and then like go from it because it was yeah we like we were very like persistent with like the same like five or six dances like every week so mm-hmm. it's after you do it for so long it's you can pick it up really quickly well and part of like when we met up with the other beginners basic class that first time in the Swedish club um, there was a lot of people who took the other beginners <laughs> class and then a lot of people who just showed up to that one meeting mm-hmm. um, so it was cool then because, like, as we're dancing or we dance with an instructor or a lot of people in the class who are more experienced, they'll sort of be like, oh, no, do this, do this, and, like, guide you through the dance as it's happening. It was cool a few times that I was like, oh, I can do this for this person that I'm dancing with. That's and that awesome. was really exciting, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That was a really cool experience when we went to the Swedish club for the first time before the Scandia Ball. That room was so crowded. Like, there were so many people that were there wanting to learn. And it was it was really fun, but it was um, 
just like so crowded and like I think that they were impressed with Blue and I of like because we knew the dances like at that point it was like three or four weeks in we knew like the basic mixers and so when we like actually knew how to do them they were like surprised <laughs> but that that happened this last class with like some of the people who had come in and weren't part of the class like you'd do something and be like oh that was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's really amazing to see like the music community in Seattle. That's so surprising. Like they were at the last class, they were talking about like which bands would be playing when. I was like, oh my god, there's multiple bands that do this in mm -hmm. one city. That's really crazy. Yeah, the last two days in my Finnish class, we've had a um, a Finnish folk singer come by, and we had like an event last night where she sang to us, and I'm like. There's, like, even outside of the um, folk dancing, I've seen so much, like, folk music mm -hmm. in Seattle. Apparently, it's a huge mecca for it. So, we're in a lucky place. Mm -hmm. How do you feel being, because you've mentioned several times that you're sort of outnumbered with people who are of a different generation, maybe an older generation or two. And I know that, that there are lots of young people in the community, too. Like, how do you think... Do you think it's important that they recruit new people to get interested in this? And if so, like, how do you think that should happen? Or is it important? Or I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, Bob and Lisa were talking last night about the fact that, like, they got involved at the same time that a lot of people got involved, which was, like, the 70s folk revival. And so there's this whole uh -huh. generation of people that are, like, really interested in this type of dance that are now old people. Um, and so they're trying now, like, a, there's a very concerted effort to recruit younger people for this dance because although there are a lot of people that do it now, there's not, like, in-between generations necessarily that are doing it. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. But I can see where they're, like, they're thinking ahead and they're noticing, like, within the Scandia um, Dance Society that their their numbers are all going to go away. And so, um, but also with our dance class, there were, like, four or five people who were regular comers that were Bob and Lisa's age that had never done, um, like, folk dancing before. I don't know how they found out about it, but they were there consistently, and they really wanted to get, inv like, involved in, like, the community. So I thought that was really cool as well because I thought that all the people who were, like, their age were, like, pros. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I found really surprising that Scandia isn't just, like, a like a cultural or ethnic group. That it's actually, like, sort of, like, a folk dancing group, like... I would have expected that, like, Scandinavian dancing would be mostly Scandinavians and not not quite as I don't know it's really really diverse in terms of like a lot of even like the young people some of them just people who are like us just interested in it might not have any kind of cultural connection to it I think that's really cool mm -hmm. yeah our class was super diverse which was really fun what's your previous dance experience uh, uh, um in like the fifth grade <laughs> on to like the eighth grade I did ballet and that is it some tango lessons, some Lithuanian folk dancing. End of story. <laughs> I have nothing to say. I have no experience. Well, okay, I took like one swing dance class at a community center in Spokane, and it was really weird. Well, you were talking about how the Scandia was really welcoming, which wasn't the case at the other one 
place I'd gone because a lot of the people there had been doing it for just a few weeks, but they were still like really hostile and really judgmental um, of me who was very bad at swing dancing, uh, which wasn't the case here. So that was, it made it a lot easier to like keep coming and get invested. Come on, guys. You never had one middle school dance? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> like, surely you've danced yeah, yeah. before. <laughs> you can't tell me there's no previous experience dancing. So a lot of my friends, um, especially like my last two years of high school, they were ballroom dancers. They were all from like the same company. Apparently, like Mormons are super into ballroom dance. Didn't know that, and I'm Mormon. And um, so just like all my friends from church, my junior, senior year, were like professional ballroom dancers. But... They are intense, and like when you go out, I like I think I went out like to a, a Mormon prom with an entire group of ballroom dancers, and um, it was like crazy, like the amount of like we were just like all the people on the floor, and they were trying to spin me around, and I was just falling over. But it was fun to be with them. But that's like kind of why I was interested in mixer dancing because all my friends are like professionals at the tango and all types of ballroom. So how does that compare to Scandia? Yeah, so, like, with Scandia, I thought that, like, they were going to be really particular about dance shoes and, like, what we showed up to practicing. Because I know, like, my friends in ballroom dance, they would have, like, $100 dance shoes with, like, leather soles or something. And I walked in there and they were like, that doesn't matter. Like, if you wear heels, you're probably going to fall over. But, (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah, they, they were cool about it. Everything. Like, there was no competitive drive to be better than anybody. Yeah, because I think the goal is just to get more people involved, and they have to like it to be involved. And so it, it <laughs> yeah. wasn't going to work if everybody was, like, really hostile and competitive. I mean, so, is it even possible to compete at Scandia for anything? Yeah, speed of spinning. <laughs> oh, that's what William was really... He could go fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Lisa was talking about how she, like, goes over to Sweden um, for formal training, and there's, like, an evaluation of them. And so I forget the name that she used, but there's, like, a... It's, like, a test where they learn all these specific skills and then are tested on their, like, accuracy and authenticity. Um, And apparently a lot of people in Seattle are, like, very good at this. And um, both Bob and Lisa had said that, like, Seattle is the place to learn Scandinavian dance outside of Scandinavia because they're all um, very formally trained and very good at it. Yeah, and I also want to add, like, with Scandinavian folk dancing, because it is, like, a cultural thing, they don't do it to, like, compete or perform. They do it as, like, a bonding. Like, if it has no, like, no one's going to watch you do it. Like, you're going to join in and do it yourself. And, like, that's, like, the difference between ballroom because ballroom is, like, hypercritical about, like, form and everything and... There's, like, I mean, I'm sure swing dancing can relate better to Scandinavian folk dancing, but, like, that was also the difference that I noticed right away was that it's a fun activity that they want everybody to join in on, like, and dance around a Christmas tree, too, not, like, to be hypercritical about form and stuff. Can I just clarify something? So you've mentioned falling over or falling down several times. Are you speaking metaphorically, or did you ever, like... Wipe out. I like running into things, yes. <laughs> Not physically falling on the ground. Other people in the class have physically fallen on the ground, but none of us have fallen on the ground. Yet. Yeah. Yacked? We have not yet fallen. Oh, on I, the sa- I thought he said yacked. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, 
Just like running into people is a big thing. Yeah. In the circle dances, everybody like spirals towards the center, which is dangerous when the center is like people playing the fiddle with, (laughs) you know, bows and fiddles. Um, So that's definitely a problem, but not like falling over so much because part of the dancing is that you're like holding on to each other in a very like tight, rigid sort of way. So if you fall, everybody falls. Yeah. There's a lot of bunching up, though, especially when you're going around in circles. Like, couples would tend to, like, you're supposed to be in an evenly distributed circle, and you're all going to be in, like, one quarter. <laughs> Some of us have longer legs. Mm-hmm. It's hard I to can't take smaller lead. steps. Um, yeah, with the Scandia ball, that was dangerous. I was dragging Bill around the dance floor, and we were trying to do all of the dances that had, like, jumping and skipping mm-hmm. and... We were not equipped to do that, but we did it, and we kicked a lot of people, and we pushed some older people, and I'm sorry, but we were not, we were blind. We were, the Scandia yeah. ball was so much fun, because there was, like, the dances we know, and then all these crazy, complicated dances where you're, like, literally jumping around, or there's this one where the, like, the follow spins like a top, and the lead, like, does this other thing, and people were cartwheeling, um, oh, and most too. of the dances, we just sort of joined in and you know tried our best but definitely didn't do it correctly but that was a lot of fun i liked the jumping one i wasn't good at it but it was it was fun yeah (laughs) that's amazing you just said that you were leading bill around yeah was was that a different dance or was that uh, a partner dance that was a partner dance yeah i don't i can't see properly i'm I'm bad with space so (laughs) he kept running into people i basically used her as a human shield (laughs) by accident Yeah, so I got tired of him just, like, throwing us as a couple into other couples. So I was like, you know what? Nope. (laughs) Like, I am directing us. I do that with everybody I dance with, to be fair. Like, but if it's, like, somebody who's a good lead, I don't have to do that. That was shade. (laughs) Is it difficult? Do you have to memorize a lot of steps? or, Or can you just kind of turn off your brain and let the other person drive? I turn off my brain. I don't know if you're supposed to do that, but it's just easier because if I think about it, then I do it wrong, especially like when there's music playing, then if you turn off your brain, the music will sort of like cue you in and guide you and keep you on beat. But as soon as I start thinking like left, right, left, right, it just dissolves completely. Yeah, I agree with the, um, after a while, you started to understand which songs, which type of songs went with what type of dance. And when they would throw it off once, I'd be like, what are we doing? But, um, yeah, it's really key to stay on the beat of the song because that's when you know when to do certain things. Like, I don't remember which mixer it was, but one of the mixers we did um, required that we, like, moved with, like, a certain, like, buzz of, like, the the artists. And then, like, that's when you switched partners. Oh, uh, yeah. The- the, the like drawing, droning, the droning, yeah. the droning, droning. Switch partners. Yeah, and I, so if you don't know that, if you don't cue that in, then you're just like, ah, well, you forgot to switch. <laughs> I missed it every um, time. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Are there a lot of dances? I mean, that you're talking about the slang polska, right? That's the most sort of where you have to <coughs> determine how many turns and when to you know, switch around and it's very open within as you're walk going around, right? But are the that's the most creative mm-hmm. dance, right? Mm-hmm. Where this is, becomes a question. I mean, definitely of the ones we've learned, 
that's mm-hmm. the one that's most open to whatever the lead wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. I haven't been to any of the like social dances other than the the one big Scandia ball. So I'm curious what that is like compared to the like stricter, more regimented classes. Yeah, that would be interesting. But I'm sure a ton of the people that go to the um, other dances that Scandia hosts, they're probably like similarly formatted where before you start a dance on the floor, they'll like give you a brief snippet of what you're doing because that was the same at the Scandia Ball. They'd be like, oh, in case you don't remember the Humpa Promenade, this is what you're doing. And like they break it down and I don't think anyone was lost on what to do ever. Everyone like carried straight into it. I've been to one and it was a little bit like Wednesday night's sort of class that's like mostly dancing but then a little bit of I'm so glad that you brought up the Oompa Loompa dance or the the Oompa 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 it's one of my favorites but I always call it the Oompa Loompa (laughs) (laughs) I love that one yeah where you're like pulling against each other and then you switch Mm -hmm. I don't know why that's so fun but it's a lot of fun yeah I like the ones that are mixers too that are less like you know lots of daisy chaining and like switching partners all the time and yeah yeah well and bob and lisa were talking about how seattle does a lot more mixer style dances um than what happens in sweden where it's like people will come to the dance with whoever they come with and they'll want to do just like partner turning dances but because seattle doesn't have that like cultural background where this is just something people do they're trying to deliberately build a community and in order to do that you have to be open to people that come like as one person or a group of three and so there's a lot more mixers just so that they can ensure that everybody has a chance to dance and dance with different partners um, and that they can build like an inclusive community where people enjoy doing it i think one of the cool things about some of the dances is that if you spend a, you spend a lot of time with like one partner and then eventually you're going to talk to them uh-huh. thing. <laughs> That's really, it's, and even the mixers, it's really fun because you end up having like a couple sentences of a conversation, then you wait around and you come back and like, okay, what were we talking about again? <laughs> I think also inevitably if you're holding someone like two inches from you, you you're going to know them a little bit better. <laughs> like I think dancing, uh, it, it allows you to get a lot of the um, the ego or the embarrassment out at the at the offset uh-huh. per se. Uh-huh. So like after after you kind of like vaguely spin each other into the wall, like <laughs> you're not afraid of saying much. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. When you um, took the dance class, did they talk about the 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 history of these dances or the different ways that they sort of iterated in different places or changed or any like? Did you get a hit a sense of like where they came from and stuff? Um, when they would tell us about, like, the dances we would do, they did mention, um, with the Swede Finn mixer that they had, like, basically made it. Like, that was, like, their dance that they had, like, built from other folk dances. Um, because when we were, like, talking about it, I remember Lisa saying, like, well, it's, like, only six years old. And (laughs) she basically, like, added her little spin to it when she came from where she was teaching before she came to Seattle. And so I thought it was really funny that, like, they, like, are as a community are still building onto dances and making new ones because I can tell, like, when we talked about, like, how there's, we do more mixer styles, like, they want, they're, they're making new mixer dances. So I think it's really cool that they're not only using, like, old pieces that are from that era, they're making new ones that are fun to do. That's cool. 
Maybe when you come back from Argentina, you can bring your like Argentinian tango, tango influence, and you can bring some Finnish tango influence. <laughs> yeah. Were there any dances that um, were Seattle specific? No, but there's a Seattle specific start to the, this one. <laughs> oh right, yeah. I don't remember the name of that one, but it was I one know. of the yeah, it was one of like the circular mixers. Mm-hmm. But they basically like added their own thing to it they told us that like when they go back to sweden and do dances that they have to remember that that's what they made up yeah it's like we start on the opposite side or something and then there's this thing that happens at the beginning i wish i remember the name of the dance or any of the things that happen but um yeah there are some seattle specific traditions related to the dancing Mm -hmm. i think overall i remember um Bob mentioning that that there is a little bit of its own spin on it, but it's still very traditional in the sense that there's like a lot of things that he said that even things that they do here in Seattle that aren't done anymore in Sweden per se. Interesting. Well, I remember them talking about how like this community in Seattle was built off of that one guy, um, Gordon Tracy. Um, <laughs> Once again, with feeling. <laughs> Gordon Tracy. <laughs> oh, no. Um, who, like, had records of folk music in Sweden and how Seattle, because of that, sort of became a center for folk music and drew in a lot of people who didn't have the ethnic, like, background of, like, a Scandinavian ethnic background, but who came to Seattle um, and were sort of just, like, enchanted by the tradition that already was there and that's how it's been built um sort of deliberately there's been built up a uh, music community in seattle so i suspect there are a lot of younger people that do it here because there's just sort of like a there is actually a group like a fiddle group or something like a spellman's log i think associated with the swedish mm-hmm. club it is a lot of young people in part of it did you three know each other before you did this class no no how how nervous were you on the first day of class I was just, like, really awkward, and I didn't, like, talk to anyone. I just, like, sat on my phone during breaks. I was like, I don't know. I don't want to talk to people. Um, But, yeah, the first day of class, I definitely thought Blue was, like, born and bred Scandinavian. Her mom had forced her to come. And because she was wearing, like, this swanky fit that was, like, perfect for Scandinavian dancing. And I was like, all right, she, like, doesn't even speak English probably. That's what I thought. But... I just dress weird. No, you just, but I just like, I don't know. I just like assumed walking in there. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, what do you like? Okay. I'm not going to be like, so you're like, you're Asian yeah. and like you're around a bunch of white people. Like, what do you think is going on? Like, like, what do you, what's your take? I got to say like the, the biggest, uh, difference culturally I think in just in general even in Europe in general um, with dancing is how close you are to your partners I think I think in the US like we're not quite as close but, but like if you dance with like uh, like French people for, for for example I danced with like a French friend and she held me closer than I've ever been recently and it is so uncomfortable but when you start I think that's that's that I feel like I imagine that must be a big barrier for um people who grow up like really really immersed in asian culture that that just being physically close to somebody is not like a thing because especially from like my heritage i'm chinese so 
lots of people everywhere, but like you're you're next to them, but you're not like holding on to them. <laughs> like you're, you're just trying to like not touch anybody, sort of. One thing I was pleasantly surprised, or rather, really surprised about, was that there were other Asian people who were like very, very involved with Scandinavian dancing, which I didn't expect. <laughs>、um, but I think that speaks a lot to how Scandia really is, really, really open to all kinds of people, and is really about the dance and doesn't have any other kind of underlying sort of things, which I think is good, you know. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, and I don't know if this is like this in all the Scandinavian countries. I don't know anything about like Sweden or Norway, but in Finland, we're the same. We're just like don't touch people. Like the only time that you're intimate with anybody is in the sauna, and so like that's the only time you talk to people like in a public sauna. Like that's about it. Um, so like dancing, I didn't think that it would be so close and personal. I definitely thought it would be very formal and stern and not like so open and like. In everybody's face, I thought it was going to be more like like reclusive or something. And different people will dance differently.、Mm-hmm. Like I was really surprised at the Scandia Bowl, how close some people held you, because it was very close. And I feel like it made it harder to dance just because like your legs were too close. <laughs> yeah. One thing I think is really interesting is that because we don't want to be close, but then they also don't want to move their legs away, so they're just leaning out. <laughs> so you have this. Like your shoulders are like five feet apart, and your feet about two inches apart. Well, I think it was just a difference between like in class where it was fairly comfortable and I like knew everybody,、um, versus when we go to the bigger functions where like I didn't know everybody and also people like we all learned at the same time and so learned with the same sort of style and the same sort of distance.、Um, but then when you're mixing all these different classes and people who have been involved with it like since they were a child and now they're eighty or something like that. <laughs> There's a lot of different styles, and so it was like sometimes difficult to adjust. But I also think it was really interesting and really fun to dance with all those different people.、Mm. What do you、exist. What do you think it would take to get more people your age involved with this? I think,、uh, like showing that it's not that intense. I guess I feel like that's one of the biggest things that hurt, that makes me like really not want to dance is that it feels like I'm gonna go up, I'm gonna perform or something, or like there's gonna be other people who are gonna be like super. Like at a high level, and then they're going to be having to deal with me. But I feel like that's one of the good things Scania is really good at. It you never feel like people are putting up with you necessarily. They're willing to help. Yeah, I think that's like just like students in general. Like even when I try and get friends to come to functions for like the Scandinavian Studies like club, like our department functions, people are always like, "Oh, I'm not in it. Like I don't know." And like with Lucia, people are like, "Well, I don't know Swedish." I'm like, "I don't know." Any Swedish, I'm out here doing it, and so it's just they're they have, have like a pre like they have a fear that since they haven't been, they don't belong. But that's like not how this department works at all. Like anyone will get in your face about being welcome. This department is amazing. I like it's my first quarter here, but I feel like I've done so many more things with this department just because they're just like our things to do. And people are always talking to you about them and trying to get you to do them, and that's not, you know, the case in my other classes. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think any department at this university is as unique as Scandinavian studies. It's like if you want like professors to know who you are, if you want to go to their house for Christmas parties, that this is the department. <laughs> this is the only department where I actually know professors. I'm not taking their classes. 
that's one of the things I find really incredible, like how professors will introduce you to other professors and be like, hey, this person has knowledge that would be cool for you just to chat to them about. I think Amanda's saying your check is in the mail. That's what she's, <laughs> saying. she's saying. I didn't pay them. I didn't pay them. <laughs> no, but oh, go ahead. Oh, I w I think it's a good idea to advertise towards like dance students. Yeah, it's hard to because there's so many things going on on this campus. It's so hard to advertise because you have no idea who has an interest. Like I know there's so many Finnish students around this campus that don't come to any of the Finnish functions because they just don't know about them, and so it's like hard to reach out to forty five thousand undergraduates. <laughs> I'm trying to th think about what it was like when Bob and Lisa were students and got into this, and um, and then what it's like to be a student now on campus, and whether or not there's just <coughs> I tend to think that there's so much more pressure on students now to perform academically that um, they don't have time to explore all of the other sort of cultural things that go on at a university or like extracurricular things. Um, do you think that is that a fair assessment of what it's like to be a student now? Oh, that's so fair. I was so surprised to hear that Bob and Lisa have, like, PhDs in biochemistry or some of the sort that they were telling us. Like, Lisa went to Stanford. Like, they are scholar students. And, like, if I went to Stanford, there's, like, no time I would have time, to, like, to breathe. Like, there is definitely, like, a difference in, like, the time and, like, expectations and academics and that's probably why people don't get invested. I just feel like students at this university in general, it could be the Seattle freeze that a lot of people encounter, but if you're not a part of like a club or something, your social life is your academics and there's nothing else for you. I think this university is very, very big. And that's, while it brings a lot of really good opportunities, like you can take really random classes in really niche areas, like you're it's not like if you if you don't have like most people don't have cohorts per se on this campus so it's not like you have a bunch of people you always see and, and and like inevitably like nothing i feel nothing at this university is going to inevitably happen to you so you really have to go look for those opportunities which means you have to have somebody advertise them to you yeah, he's a marketing student. Well, business. I'm a finance student. Don't don't business don't, business don't like, mix whatever. me with those with the scourge. He knows. He knows. He knows. <laughs> it's so hard not to laugh. <laughs> What's your experience? This is your first. You said this is your first quarter on campus. Yeah, it it's big, and there's like too much happening for anything to happen. Like, at the beginning and like, orientation, they were talking about how, like, there's over 1,000 registered clubs. You can find stuff to do. And I was like, oh, no, there's over 1,000? How do you pick things to do? Um, so that's why I've ended up doing things with the Scandinavian department, because they just tell you to, like, oh, come to this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and that's how I ended up at the dance class. It was just like, um, Lauren mentioned in class, like, oh, there's this thing happening. I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, we're all at very different levels at this university, like different exp like duration that we've been here at least and communities that we're involved in outside of this community. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see how everything like comes together at some point. Everyone mm -hmm. is studying very different things from each other as well. Would you Fanny, could you talk a little bit more about your where you're coming from or your experience here? Um well, UW has thrown me like everybody. Um, came in pre-med, changed my mind because I sucked at it. And I also like commuted last year. That sucked. 
And so I had, like, no friends on campus. Like, my friends were from church and from Scandinavian studies. That's all I had friends in. And then this year, moved on to campus, joined Greek life, still debating whether that was a good idea. And, but now I have more friends, so that's a good thing. Um, so, yeah. So, and now I'm studying something else. And, and like, I feel like at this point in my time here, I should have figured out what I'm going to, like, solidly major in. But I haven't. So, but... I was fortunate enough that during my freshman fall quarter, I took Scan 100 and um, Finnish 101. And so taking two, like, Scandinavian studies classes at once, I was, like, thrown into this program. And that was, like, the best time for me. I wish I had more time to take more Scandinavian studies classes because they are, like, so fun. But I don't have time. Um, <clears throat> other than, like, so, I don't know, just, like, I was so surprised that, like, any department at this university was going to be run the way that, like, this department was run. So I was like, yeah, that was a great time. That was the highlight of my year. I think there is something unique in the, the Scandinavian department. A lot of the courses, or at least the courses I've taken, are just people who want to be there. Like, I don't feel like there's some, there's like, there's a, there's some classes, CSE 142, that are just full of people who have to take them to earn their degrees. But like I don't feel like, but when you're in a community of people and you're studying with them, and you just want to know the material. That's an entirely different experience. I literally never occurred to me that any university ever would have a Scandinavian studies department. I feel like it's just so specific that you're only there if it's interesting to you. And which course you took? Scan one hundred. No, I took Scandinavian mythology. Mythology. Just because it sounded kind of interesting. Yeah. Also, like, the effort that goes into this department, it, like, still amazes me. Like, in my two-person Finnish class, we get guest, like, like visitors all the time. And, like, in, when I took Scan 100, we had a Latvian, it, was it a Latvian folk band? I don't know if you remember, but we had a Latvian folk band come and play for us. And it was crazy. They were wearing, like, straight-up bears on their back. <laughs> like, they were dressed this way. Um <clears throat> But we had just, like, so many, like, cool people come and visit us, like, all throughout the course, guest lecturers all the time. So just, like, it's, it's like, crazy to me how much effort goes into, like, every class. I still am, like, tripping up about my class and how it's literally me and one other person, but we still get celebrities coming in through the door from Finland. I had lunch with the EU representative of Finland, and that was, like, terrifying to me. So, like, I don't know how these, like, keep coming up in this department but like we get like cool people coming all the time do you feel like um this is maybe a silly question but do you feel like like participating in extracurricular things or events or dance or whatever activities that that helps your you be a better student like that it helps your academic work too if you can either I don't know, escape or complement it somehow? I think the answer, before you said academic, I was going to say like hard yes. Uh, <laughs> academic, still yes, but not as hard of a yes because I don't know, I feel like for as a student, you're just kind of collecting skills for four years per se. And I think at a university this large where you don't necessarily have to practice a lot of people skills, like really, really close people skills, like dancing in particular is really good for that. Like you really learn or are really forced to to, um, to account for how other people feel about things, I guess. Uh -huh. I think it's just really important to, like, 
create obligations where you'll have fun and mm-hmm. like force yourself to do something enjoyable because um, otherwise it's easy to like well here's the things I have to do and I hate them and it's awful um, and then when I'm not doing that I'm just gonna like sit down and I don't know watch Great British Bake Off actually I fully endorse that um, but it it's nice to have something that you can like. Well, on Wednesdays, I'll go dance. You're listening to Pasi Pasinen and Pod Thomas Eriksson from Sweden, who performed at the 2019 Scandia Ball. The Scandia Folk Dance Society has temporarily canceled all in-person classes due to the coronavirus pandemic, but they are still holding virtual dances and sessions for musicians via Zoom. For more details, go to scandia-folkdance.org. That's S-K-A-N-D-I-A dash folkdance.org. Links are in the show notes or on our website. Crossing North is a production of the Scandinavian Studies Department and Baltic Studies Program at the University of Washington in Seattle. Today's episode was written, edited, and produced by me, Colin Joya Connors. Special thanks to visiting lecturer of Danish, Christian Nesby. Today's music was used with permission by Christian Hroner Paulsen and Pasi Pasinen and Par Thomas Eriksson. Visit scandinavian.washington.edu to learn more about the podcast and other exciting projects hosted by the Scandinavian Studies Department. If you are a current or prospective student, consider taking the course or declaring a major. You can find complete course listings for the Scandinavian Studies Department and Baltic Studies Program at scandinavian.washington.edu. Once again, that's scandinavian.washington.edu. Well, that does it for Season 2. Crossing North will be on summer break for the next few months, but will return in the fall with brand new episodes. See you then. Bill, did you study Lithuanian here? Yeah, I studied Lithuanian. I'm studying Latvian this year. What? Take Baltic studies instead. It's better. No, it's all the same department. It's all in the same department. Baltic languages are better.